0: This is the Oceans Church podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. Jamie and I have been married. We're going on 25 years, September 11th. yeah, we are by no means experts in the field of marriage, okay? Um, you know, we have uh, we have three children. Our son, Alexander, is 22. Uh, he is married to uh, his bride named Casey. They live in Tampa. Um, our daughter, Allison, is 20 years old, and our daughter, Calliope, is um, uh, 12, and Jamie has been also raising me for the last 25 years, and so... She's had to raise four different kids, you know. Um, But I've learned along the way some lessons, you know, after I did things my way, after she told me not to do it that way, and I found out that she was right. And so, you know, husbands, just listen to your wives. They hear the Holy Spirit. But uh, I I digress. Uh, um, Jamie and I, we we met. uh, I, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. I was single. I was in my early 20s, and I was ready to mingle, okay? All my friends were getting married in the church. Uh, I just I just wasn't finding one for myself. I was definitely in love with the idea of marriage, but the Lord told me to take a year and set a year apart just to seek the Lord, to fast, to pray, um, just to devote myself to, to the Lord. And uh, 11 months later, my friend asked me, hey, do you want to go down to Panama City? I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. He said, do you want to go down to Panama City and stay at Uh, my friend's house. Uh, I'm going to be visiting some family down there. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And we, we start driving down to Pennsylvania, uh, uh, down to Panama city. And, um, I'm 11 months in and my friend's like, Hey, by the way, we're staying at my best friend's house and they have a daughter named Jamie and she, she graduated from Bible school. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, she's really pretty. I was like, oh really? And, um, and, and, um, he said, yeah, I, I think that she's single too. I was like, oh, really? You know, it's like, I, I, or I, I didn't even know what she looks like. And I was already proposing to her in my mind, right? It's like, you know, again, uh, so we get down there and um, we, we get at Jamie's parents and she, she has her own apartment with uh, another uh, girl in the church. And, uh, and I see Jamie's picture on the wall and I was like, we're already married. Like, this is done. This is done deal, you know? And, uh, and so Jamie's mom, like Jamie's parents fell in love with me because I was just this young, young, young man that was like passionate for the Lord and I was a worship leader and I was a musician and songwriter. And Jamie's mom called her up and said, you got to meet this guy named Michael. He's really cute and he's from Pennsylvania. And Jamie's like, he's f- my mom says he's cute and he's from Pennsylvania. Absolutely not. No way. I'm not coming over. <laughs> So she avoided me for, like, three days, and I was getting frustrated. I was like, time's ticking, you know? Like, we got to wrap this deal up. We got to <laughs> seal the deal here. And, uh, and so Jamie's parents, like, like, we did, like, this uh, surprise sneak attack on Jamie by showing up to her work, right? And, um, and you know, I was with the parents, and, uh, and Jamie <laughs> saw me, and she was like, oh, my goodness. He's so beautiful, it's Mom. Beautiful. And she, of course, she didn't say that in front of me, but I heard her, I heard her from around the corner say that. And I I literally did one of these, like, what did you just say? And so that's the kind of guy I was. told
1: me everything I needed to know about you. Yes,
0: told her everything. Yeah. So then we went out to Pineapple Willies. They brought us out to Pineapple Willies on the beach, and it was a beautiful day in May. The sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day. We order the food and her parents just get up and take off. They're like, they're trying to lock this thing down as well. And I'm, I'm excited. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Jamie and I are in this great fluid conversation. And later on that day, there's this barbecue at the neighbor's house, the, the Sydney family. And uh, Jamie's parents are like, hey, do you want to come over to the Sydney's? We're going to do a barbecue later. And Jamie's like, yeah, absolutely. And so, so what? Um, so we get to the Sydney's. And they have a piano there. And I was a worship leader. And I hate to say that I abused the anointing on my life as a worship leader (laughs) to maybe manipulate her heart towards me. (laughs) So I sit down at this piano and I start singing. And it was over. over. (laughs) And I knew what I was doing. And probably she did, too. And, uh, like, love was in the air. And um, and then, like, I stopped playing, and I turned around. And the, the whole room is just crowded with a bunch of people. And people are talking, and Jamie is sitting across the room, and she's staring at me. And so I'm like, I'm going to lock my eyes in her eyes. And I'm going to, like, give her the smolder. And I'm not going to break away until she breaks away. <laughs> and we locked eyes, and it was, like, instantly, like,
1: it was magical, really. It was magical. Because
0: there was fire <laughs> in I the eyes. I
1: couldn't breathe. And,
0: uh, and so, like, I was so curious about Jamie, and I, uh, I, I just wanted to learn everything about her and um, you know, we had these amazing conversations and and then I would be by myself and I would have imaginary conversations, bold conversations with you, right uh, I would have intrusive thoughts about Jamie throughout the day as i 'm uh, working you know she i can't just can't get Jamie out of my mind and I, I would have deprivation sensitivity when she wasn't there like um I would see a crowd of people, and I would think that I saw her in this crowd knowing that I'm in Pennsylvania and she's in Florida. Like, I was falling in love with this woman, and I I just wanted to know everything about her, but it all started with a look, right? And and then the the funny thing is, uh, at the end of that night, Jamie's parents were like, hey, why don't you take Michael back to our house? You know, when you're done here, don't rush. And Jamie's little sister, Amber, was like, can I go with Michael and Jamie? And they're like, absolutely not. You're coming with us, right? Total setup. Yeah, total setup. But it, it, it started with this one look.
1: Yeah, so intimacy begins with seeing. Intimacy begins with seeing. Each of us has a deep need to be fully seen, to be fully known, and fully accepted, right? We wanna be seen, we wanna be known, and then once we're seen and known, we wanna be accepted. And so we're gonna be talking about intimacy, and intimacy is, is simply this. It refers to the level of proximity between two people. And intimacy requires um, vulnerability, it requires openness, and it requires trust. Um, it, it really refers to the level of proximity. You cannot be intimate with someone if you aren't close to them, right? And so uh, we're going to I just want to quickly touch on four different types of intimacy this morning and then we'll elaborate on some other things. But when thinking about intimacy, first, I think of emotional intimacy and emotional intimacy is being transparent with your your deepest feelings, your deepest thoughts, even your probably your fears. Um, And it involves. Being able to share those things and feeling safe and not judged, right? Like I think for for us ladies, emotional intimacy is very important because without the emotional intimacy, sometimes it can be very hard for the physical intimacy part. But if we can't feel like when we go to our spouse with our fears or or um, our our. Our anxieties or our thoughts or even our emotions and we don't feel safe and we don't feel seen and heard it makes us very it makes it very very difficult us for us to be um, physically intimate and so emotional intimacy is very very important and then there's intellectual intimacy which is refers to like sharing your ideas your thoughts your opinions maybe your life perspectives um, it also means being open to learning from one another I think that that we should go into relationships and in building intimacy where we can learn from one another. There's so much that I can learn from you and there's so much that he can learn from me. We're two completely different people and that's the beauty of, of relationships. When God puts pe- uh, people together, they're generally very, very different. Michael and I could not be more opposite probably on every single level there is, um, but there's so much that I can learn from him. I know one thing I've learned from him is like, he has this incredible way of pushing me out of my comfort zone. I am more than happy to sit back. I'm a total introvert, so I'm more than happy to sit back and watch. But he's like, no, no, come on. Like, we got to go. Like, And I love that about him because without him doing that for me, I probably would, I would have stayed in my shell. So anyways, intellectual um, intimacy. And this is a really big one. This next one is spiritual intimacy. And it means feeling close, validated, and safe, sharing your innermost ideas and beliefs on life's purpose and your connection with God. And I, and it also looks like praying for one another. And, and we've talked about this, and I think two years ago we did a, a relationship series, and we talked about the importance of praying for one another. I never feel more seen, heard, and loved by Michael than when he sees me going through a hard time and he just lays his hands on my head or on my, puts his arms around me and begins to pray over me. There's something so um, beautiful and intimate about being able to pray for one another. It's a very vulnerable thing. And and I've talked about this before. I remember when we were first married, I had such a difficult time praying even in front of him, not even just for him, but praying in front of him because it felt like such an intimate thing to to share my conversations with the Lord in front of someone else, but to be able to pray for someone. And so it was years before I was really able to pray in front of him, but there was such a closeness and intimacy that came from being able to pray um, in front of one another and for one another and with one another.
0: And of course, there is physical intimacy, right? And if you ask the average man, physical intimacy—intimacy intimacy is sex, right? But there's all true, right? Wow,
1: it's, I'm it just got really quiet. quiet in
0: the f- first service. They were like, "Yeah." yeah. Uh, but but physical intimacy is not always romantic. It's not always uh, it's not always sexual. Uh, physical intimacy could uh, could look like me. Putting uh, my hand on a friend's shoulder, um, or you know, when they're when they're really grieving something, putting my arm around them and hugging them. Some people are huggers, uh, some people aren't. You have to know who a hugger is and who the hugger isn't. Like, there's nothing worse than not being a hugger and being hugged, right? I'm a hugger, so
1: you hug a lot of people. I, that I hug a lot of hug. people,
0: <laughs> right? You know, the loud Greek family. It's like all we do is hug, right? Uh, but um, intimacy happens when, when somebody shares something emotionally meaningful and the other person receives it and shares it back to them. And one of the fears in relationships is that as you expose your heart to someone else, will it be received or will it be rejected? Will, will they uh, value uh, your Your thoughts will they value your fears will they value your emotions or will they laugh at it and make light of it you 're essentially laying your heart out on the table right and, and we see um that one one of the fears is in relationships concerning intimacy is exposing your heart and and it not being received right is Anybody ever been there where you were sharing your heart with somebody and it felt like they just took advantage of that moment and they didn't they didn't care for your heart. What I've seen is that in relationships, some people will provoke crisis in their marriage or in their uh, relationship with their Their boyfriend or girlfriend because they're scared of intimacy. Some people will withdraw at the exact moment when things are getting closer to intimacy. How many has ever experienced that before, right? And and we'll see uh, people like this go through relationship relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship, never like locking in because of a fear of intimacy. And you could, you could spot you could spot the people that have a fear of intimacy because they all of a sudden disappear for a time when things are beginning to get close to ghost, intimacy yeah. and, and they, they, they tend also to hide behind a a wall of questions in a conversation um, and then they, then the, when the, the conversation turns to them, they avoid it, right They, they kind of spin it back on you, and so um, intimacy is. Again, being fully seen, fully known, fully accepted—it's—it's it's an exchange. Not only is—is uh, is it the proximity of how close you are physically, but the proximity of the heart, right?
1: And love and intimacy is only possible if two people eventually reveal the center of our existence. Like, I, I really believe that true intimacy is developed over time. That's why it's it's so dangerous. I Even it, like in today's culture where people are so quick to be physically intimate long before they ever are actually spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually intimate. And that comes with time. It comes with being able to fully reveal who we are and be accepted by that other person and doing that in turn. Um, And and it requires a massive, massive risk. It's incredibly, incredibly terrifying. But the truth is, is that God created you. He created me. He created all of us to experience intimacy. Um, Genesis, we're going to be looking in the book of Genesis um, this morning, but Genesis 2 verses 18 through 25 says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them.
0: And everybody said, amen, right? She she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is saying that we are one. We are the same. We We are one heart, one mind, one mission, one focus, right? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. They were both naked and they felt no shame. Somebody say no shame. This verse describes what God's intended design for relationships from the very beginning before sin entered in. That you would be completely naked without any shame. Uh, Naked uh, not only physically, but also naked emotionally. Um, Sharing 100% of yourself with the one that God had paired you with. There was nothing to hide here in the garden. There was no sin to cover. There was no parts of their bodies that they felt embarrassed by, probably because it was no trans fats, right? There was no cellulite in the garden, like it was nice and tight, right? None saggy, right? Uh, No parts of their personalities they despised, right? Uh, This was God's design. It was his intended design for you and I to experience intimacy, for you to be able to see into me, and I be able to see into you and know your heart and know the the, the, the deepest places of you, your, your fears, your, uh, your hopes, your dreams, the, the, the longing uh, in your soul, right? Um, this was God's intended design from the very beginning. Now, here's the problem is Satan also had his own plan. He hated the image of God. He hated relationships. He hated the, the fact that when a husband and wife come together, they complete the image of God. And he wanted to destroy the image of God. He saw the image of God in us, the Amago day, and he, his, he set his sights on the most vulnerable, and that was God's children. And so he comes in and he deceives them. He deceives Adam and Eve. And we see what happens when when sin is conceived. Uh, God is separated from his creation. And this is the biggest fear, uh, the, the fear of separation. This is a, a, a breach of intimacy here, you know, for, for God and for one another um, through sin, um, you know, Through sin, shame, and condemnation, there was this separation. Jamie, read chapter 3.
1: Genesis 3, 7 through 10 says, At at that moment their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And so at that moment, when Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed the Lord. They were immediately separated from God, and that was when the shame came, right? That was when the shame came, and they noticed, I'm naked. I have to hide. I have to hide myself from God. All of creation changed forever at this moment because of deception And disobedience. And as a result, shame entered the world and it continues to work in this world. Shame assaults us on a regular basis. The shame of our past, the shame of our sins. We're constantly battling this shame. And in battling that shame, we're hiding who God created us to be, not only from God, as if we think we can hide from God, right? That was the deception of Adam and Eve. They thought they could hide from God, but there's nothing that he doesn't see. But also in hiding ourselves from others, maybe our spouse, our friends, our family, our relationships. This is what happened when sin entered the world. And the enemy's plan, like Michael said from the very beginning, was to separate us from God. He wanted nothing more than to separate us from our creator, from ourselves, and from others. And just as Adam and Eve immediately covered themselves and hid, hid from God, we've been hiding ourselves ever since.
0: And this is what happens, you know, like through the brokenness of sin, through the brokenness of this world, uh, shame enters in at a very young age. And quite often, shame is placed on us through condemnation of the enemy. And as a child, you know, that goes through maybe abuse or goes through a a difficult uh, situation, a challenging situation, they, they can't distinguish the difference between that was bad and I am bad. Right. They believe that they're bad. They're told that they're bad. And the scripture says in Proverbs, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you believe you're bad, if you believe that you're unworthy, even after coming to Christ and becoming a new creation, but you are still living under the bondage of those lies. Well, guess what? You're going to start manifesting those things, that bad behavior in your life. And quite honestly, what we we need more than behavioral modification in the church is we need our minds to be renewed by the washing and regenerating of the Word of God. We need to know what God says about us. We need to know who we are in Christ, how God sees us. We'll never be able to get an accurate picture of ourselves until we see the Father as He is. I just did this series, just wrapped up this series, Jesus Vision. It was all about seeing the Father as he is and, and, and uh, seeing yourself through the lens of Jesus and seeing others through the lens of Jesus. Because quite o- often we, we have these filters that we wear that distort the image of God, distort the image of our heavenly Father, distort the image of the people around us, distort the image of, of our loved ones, even ourself. Amen. And so God wants us to see ourselves accurately. He wants us to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that all things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Right. That we are not the sum of our sin. Right. The biblical conviction separates um, behavior and identity. Which means that as a new creation in Christ, as a child of God, you're still going to mess up. You're still going to trip up. You're still going to sin. Yes, we repent. Yes, we ask God to forgive us. But our behavior is not our identity. Shame and condemnation says and links the two together that your behavior is your identity. It's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not the sum of your mistakes, your failures, or your sin. You're a child of God. Amen. We stand in, in the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. No other righteousness do we stand in. Not our righteousness. Our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. So fear, uh, fear of separation, right? This, this whole thing where, where God comes down and, um, and he says, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? God knew where they were. They were hiding. Well, we were hiding because we were naked, well, who told you you were naked? see the, their eyes were open because they were disobedient and and what was once beautiful was now put under the curse and there 's a separation and this is I believe is, is the, the the greatest fear uh, uh, that, that each of us have in our heart is, is that that we would be um not seen, not known, and not, not accepted, that we would be completely rejected, right? And separated from God, separated from those that we love. Because fear and shame, they do that. They separate us, right? They cause us to hide. Fear, fear is the enemy of love. It's the enemy of love. The enemy, it's the enemy of intimacy. One of my favorite uh, writers, Henry Nowen, said this, if fear is the great enemy of intimacy... Love is its true friend. I love that. If fear is the great enemy of intimacy, love is its true friend. I want to read a passage in First John chapter four, verse 18. It says, "There is no fear in love. Isn't that powerful? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Who is perfect love? Jesus is perfect love. God is love. That is is his essence. That is his nature. That is his character. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so if you are operating your life in fear, your life has not been perfected in Christ. It has not been perfected in love. And then it says the ultimate punishment or fear is what? Separation separation from God, separation from one another, separation from uh, from those that we love. I, I, I believe that this is the ultimate fear is separation, not only from God, but from one another. Thankfully for those who believe in Jesus, that fear has passed. Somebody say amen to that. Thank God that that fear has passed. But the greatest punishment, the great fear here is separation. And, 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 and That was never God's intended design. This is why Christ humbled himself, laid down his life on the cross, to bring uh, restoration between God and his creation. Once again, back into relationship, back into fellowship. And that is the work of the gospel. That's the work of the cross. Isn't that beautiful? It's not through works of righteousness, which we've done, but it's according to his grace, right? That he, he. we enter relationship with him, and he draws us in.
1: Yeah, the only way we can truly experience the fullness of intimacy with God is, it, this is the only way we can do it, is to be perfected in love, that, that uh, love casts out fear. And we fear intimacy because we fear being seen and rejected. But if we're perfected in his love, like God wants us to be, um, as, as John even described, the twofold process of receiving and giving love to others, being perfected in love essentially consists of increasing our capacity to love, to both receive and to share God's love. And so the first thing that we need to know is that intimacy originates from God.
0: Yeah. So we want to just give you several keys to unlock intimacy with God and others real quick. We are burning the time. Um, number one is acceptance. Acceptance. If you can't the fact of the matter is, is if you can't accept yourself as the miracle that you are in Christ Jesus, a new creation, you're going to look to be rejected by every relationship that you go in. Christ accepts you. Do you hear that? He's not looking for you to perfect your flesh for him to accept you. You couldn't perfect your flesh. You couldn't atone your own sins you couldn't right your own wrongs. Christ chose you, that you are, you are chosen by God through Christ Jesus. If you have accepted Christ, the sacrifice upon the cross, that, that, that means that when the father sees you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees the blood of his son. He sees a spotless child of God not a child of God that should be ashamed of themselves. He sees you as a new creation. He sees you through the blood of his son. That's the grace of God. Amen. So we have to learn to accept ourselves for the miracle that we are. Uh, If we don't believe that God accepts us, we will never accept ourselves, and we will never allow others to accept us. Right? So you have to be able, like, listen, you may have been rejected by your mother, by your father. You may have been, uh, you know, uh, you may have had things spoken over you that were absolutely terrible, but those things are lies. You need to know what God says about you. You need to know how God sees you. You need God's thoughts about you. You You need your mind to be renewed by God's word. And once you understand how God sees you and loves you and chose you and that your life is under a blessing rather than a curse, you'll be able to receive that love. You'll be able to accept yourself as a miracle that you are his child, and you'll be able to extend that to others. The second is proximity. It's the state or the condition of being near. You can't have true intimacy without proximity, not only physical, but also uh, emotionally, right? James 4, 8, I love this, says, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. We moved towards God. God moves towards us. We move towards him in prayer. We move towards him in fasting. We move towards him by opening up his word and letting his word wash over us. And we have communion with him. We, we, we move towards him in our worship. We move towards him in our work as unto the Lord as worship, right? Every aspect of our life is worship and it should be worship. And it's the same thing. we move towards one another, with that 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 same mindset of
1: the third key to unlock intimacy is trust and trust is assured reliance on a character ability strength or truth of someone or something and adam and eve allowed themselves to be deceived they put away their trust they literally took their trust put away their trust in god they believed that he was not as good as he said he was and they did the one thing that god had asked them not to do Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. And trust's big lie is this trust's big lie is that trust is something that needs to be earned. But the truth of trust is that trust can't be earned, it can only be given. Trust can't be earned. Trust can only be given. Trust is the responsibility of the person who wants the trust. If you want others to trust you, it's your responsibility to be trustworthy. And if you want to be able to trust others, it's also your responsibility. If you're committed to giving and building trust and determined to overcome any obstacles that stand in your way then you will win the trust, but trust is gonna require vulnerability. It's gonna uh, require you opening your up, yourself up to be seen, and it's gonna be scary, and it's gonna be terrifying, and everything in you is gonna say, no, I can't, I can't show this part, I can't do this, because past has told me that this is, a, this is a bad thing or this has hurt me, but we have to be willing to be vulnerable because that is what creates and fosters the trust.
0: And then finally uh, is, is communication. Which, in spiritual intimacy looks like prayer, but in, in just relational intimacy between like my wife and I, it's openly expressing our needs, our desires, our fears, our hopes, and that being a safe place where um, I feel heard and, and listened to and valued. The same thing uh, with Jamie we're going to be talking about communication next week and we have some really great stuff to share with you. But uh, I want to read this one last quote, and then uh, one last remark. Uh, this is a quote by Rolo May. It says, "Intimacy requires courage beyond bec- Intimacy requires courage because risk is inescapable." We cannot know at the out- outset how the relationship will affect us, like a chemical mixture. If one of us is changed, both of us will be. Will we grow in self-actualization or will it destroy us? The one thing we can be certain of is that if we let ourselves fully into the relationship for good or evil, we will not come out unaffected. That is so true. So true. There is risk involved when you are opening up your heart and sharing it with another. the source of all intimacy it comes from God we have to know that God is love and that God wants us to go beyond knowing about him and he wants us to come to a place of experiencing his presence experiencing God not knowing about God but experiencing God not just coming to church and hearing about God, but experiencing him on Monday morning at work. Not just knowing about God and knowing a few scriptures, but knowing the sound of his voice as the good shepherd that leads us into the place where our soul prospers most. Not only just knowing all, the, uh, all that there is to know theologically, but truly encountering. His presence. See, it's not just good enough for me to know about Jamie. God's desire is that I would experience Jamie fully. And, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of, uh, of, of intimacy that God created and God designed. And he, he died for us so that he could draw us into relationship and draw us into intimacy to remove our shame, to remove our sin. And anything that hinders intimacy, anything that's standing in the way, let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. God, we want to experience you, Lord, not just know about you, but we want to truly experience you. Father, would you forgive us of our sins, Lord? God, would you draw us closer to you, Lord? God, would you place in our heart a desire to lean into your presence, Lord, into your word, God, to pursue you, God, to draw close to you, Lord. And and as we draw close to you, Lord, would you draw close to us, Lord? God, would you be the center of our relationships, Lord, that all relationships would flow out of our relationship with you first and the health of our relationships would flow out of our relationship with you? Jesus, would you just come in? Would you teach us your ways, Lord? Would you lead us by your spirit, Lord, that we may prosper, Lord, that our lives, Lord, uh, would bring glory and honor to you and that our relationships would also bring glory and honor to you, Lord, to a world that is lost and broken and hurting, God. May we be your hands and feet, Lord, in Jesus' name.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram
0: for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus.
1: Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.